A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Thank you for finally joining us, Lorraine. Yes. You're a bit late today. <laughs> I'm so sorry, miss. My mum's written me a note. Uh, um, and your went, excuses? Well, I went swimming um, and my swim watch is an hour behind. So every time I looked at it, I thought oh, I've got plenty of time. And then I had to cycle halfway across London, up and down the Seven Sisters Road at 400 miles an hour to get back when I realised it was an hour behind and that Trish would tell me off. So here I am. <laughs> well, you're here. Wet That's hair. the most important thing. <laughs> Still alive. Excellent. On with the show. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin and I'm Lorraine Candy and we're on a mission to tackle all the big and small issues that affect women at this stage of our life from insomnia to mind and body wellness HRT to sex drive careers and relationships and as always the challenges and joys of parenting teens. In today's episode we have nutritionist Jane Clark joining us to give some much needed advice on what we can actually really do to finally get rid of that midlife muffin top as well as other foodie tips and strategies to help us feel energized and boost our overall health and well-being. Trish and I will also be testing out fake tans and we'll also be looking at at-home juicing and the parenting issue we've been seeking help with this week is how to be a role model for your teenagers and why getting it wrong is important too. Now, we've been chatting about what a joy it is to have our friends physically back in our lives because we've missed them, Lorraine, haven't we? During the... Um the lockdown we miss them I'm not a big hugger as you know Trish so mm-hmm. um I don't need to have any more hugging back in my life from my friends I love them just as they are I've got this theory that you need five types of female friends at this stage Ooh, in okay life. yeah give us because the list I think you need an opposite friend I think that might be you Trish <laughs> it says the yeah. opposite to everything yes. I say it's really annoying yeah I think you need the comforter mm the one who just makes you feel okay and this is a safe space type of friend. I think you need Danger Mouse, who oh. is your fearless friend, who you say, well, oh, I don't think I can jump off this. And they say, well, if we just go a bit higher, it'd be even more fun. <laughs> I think you really need mum friends at this time of life. Oh, definitely. You have to be able to share all of those kind of things. You can only really share the sort of teenage stuff with other women with teenagers, really, because some of it's a bit shameful and you're, you're a bit worried that you might get reported to the police or the NSPCC. Um, and then I think you need a really practical friend. I've got this brilliant friend who, if a bit falls off your bike or, you know, you can't make the TV remote control work or something just falls apart in your hands, she's, oh, just give it to me. And then she just puts it all back together oh, again. It's I'm brilliant. loving that. Oh, that's it's really good. good. Yeah. Really so those good. are my five types of friends. Yeah. What yeah. do you look for in a well, friend, I, Trish? I kind of think my friends fall into sort of different groups really again like you my mum friends hugely important that I've you know met uh, and known for about the last 15 years work friends I think I've got a lot of friends who I've kind of picked up during my career 
for me, I think my 50th birthday sort of marked uh, a kind of coming together of all of these friends because I was thinking about, well, what can I do? I want to have some kind of celebration. But actually, when, when I was totting up the numbers, I was like, I don't really want all those men there. <laughs> so I just had girlfriends. And there was about five almost different groups that all merged together at this one lovely rosé-fueled lunch. And it was just, I'd say it was one of the best afternoons of my life. They made me oh, feel special. Gosh. They made me feel, um, yeah, they really are my like em- emotional. I, I was not there. Group. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> Thanks, no, sorry, you didn't read the this. room. Read the room, Trish. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. What about kind of losing friends along the way? Because you yes, do sort good. of have moments where you you just sort of either drift apart, your lives go in different directions. I was looking at some of my wedding photos recently, and I was thinking, oh my god, that person was there, and, and I haven't seen yes. that person for twenty five years. That kind of or thing. Or maybe you need um, women have friends for the stage of their life where that friend is right for that stage, don't they? And I think also there you should get to a point in your probably late forties, early fifties, where you just want to say no to friends who are not bringing something in they're taking more away from you and it's a bit of a drain and you've got family and I think once you have family it's very difficult to give as much to your friends and if um, they can't understand that I think that's really hard I've made a couple of new friends in my uh, late 40s it's been very exciting for mm, me tell me um, about those well my yoga teacher I've, I'm got a bit of a girl crush on I think I've talked <laughs> about that before um, but I made some um, I made a friend of um really high profile woman who's a lawyer Amanda and she's just she's just so smart I've never known anyone think so quickly but she's hugely entertaining as well and I've learned a lot from her and our our interactions our our coffees and chats and her children are about five years older and I think that's really helpful as well when you have old friends with older children who will Mm. say that's okay you should just let that go it's not something to worry about so it's just really important I think to have a really good there's a massive culture in LA actually um there's a website called meetup which is over 50s women and they do fantastic things they're strangers they don't know each other but loads of groups have formed out of that and I think there's probably a bit of a hole here for something Mm. like it's kind of dating for friends isn't it female friends anyway that's a good romp through our friendships and how important they are to women in midlife now it's time to meet our special guest jane clark jane is a dietitian and cordon bleu chef with more than 30 years nutrition experience she has worked with jamie oliver on his school meals revolution written nine best-selling books and runs a highly successful specialist clinic in london advising among others david beckham and benedict cumberbatch on diet and nutrition and she's also worked with me uh, when i was editor of red magazine uh, many years ago nearly 20 years jane used to write a nutrition column and i have to say i still make her delicious recipes from that era to this very day so welcome jane it's so lovely to see you again thank you very much it's lovely to be here Now, you see all sorts of people in your clinic, um, but we're focusing very much on women in their midlife. So that's sort of 45 to 55. So what would be the nutritional pillars um, which all women in midlife should be making sure is in there, the way they eat and the way they are? I think it's a combination of looking in the short term, what makes you feel good as a woman who's going through a perimenopause, menopausal time. When we hit that age of 45 to 55, As an example, we become less efficient at metabolizing carbohydrates. So that's that's, often why... Is that muffin top? Is that what that is? Yes, it is the muffin top. Yeah. Uh, That's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) 
So when you might be thinking, oh, I'll have a nice risotto with a nice... Yes, yes absolutely. I, um, um, a friend of mine put it the other day, going on a carb crawl. Yes. You know, <laughs> heading off to just eat as much lovely bread as you possibly can because it's yes. wonderful. Yes, and you used, you used to be able to get away with eating it. Yes, But then now. you hit that point and it's rather like when you turn your 45th birthday... The, the the monsters out there going ha ha right I'm gonna really mess with you you can either have the carbs or you can have the body which I one see. do you want how do yeah. I get rid I'm just gonna ask it now how am I gonna get rid of this muffin top then that, that's a question a lot of women have asked and also on a couple of Facebook groups women really desperate I've tried everything and I think women get really taken advantage of with silly diets and all sorts of things they buy into because they are desperate to lose this bit in the middle I would say the first thing to do is to have a real reality check and what exactly are you doing? You know, the number, you know, 30 years of looking after patients, the number of weeks and the thousands of people I've seen, you know, and I actually say, look, let's just keep a little note of what it's we're putting diary, inside our it? body. It is yes. a diary. Yes. And we all hate it. And I can just yes. see every time yes. the eyes roll. But let's get a reality check. I say to, you know, women, it's not that I'm sitting here to judge you. It's look at it as a way of finding some answers. And what so are you do. doing? Are you just noting what you're eating or are you noting how it makes you feel? How would you actually write it? I do diary? both. I would okay. do five, five or six columns. So I would do typically the first one would be date and time. And then the second one, a description of the food and the drink. Third one would be a description of the quantity. Now, I don't mean that we need to start carrying a pair of scales around with us um, because that would be tedious and necessary. But equally, is it an egg-sized potato? Is it an egg? Is it chicken? The portions is it a breast are important, or aren't they? The portion oh, absolutely. Size. Yeah. yeah, so it's a handful of that side. Then your fourth one, I would record any symptoms that you're getting. And that can be really useful as a woman on so many different levels. It could be that you're getting hot flushes. It could be that your digestive system is playing up. But in your fifth column, that's the magic one. When we're looking at losing a muffin top, ask yourself the question, why are you eating it? Because is it because I'm ravenously hungry? No, I've just done a work, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it because, you know... I deserve I, it. I deserve it, yes, actually. I, My I teenagers have been mean I, to me again. I did have a lovely, lovely anecdote. We must be going back about 25 years. I asked this lovely lady who actually was about 48 and I asked her to keep the diary and she brought it back and we were discussing it and it was the first time I'd ever seen jacket potato in the food column and then the reason she ate it was because she felt sorry for it (laughs) (laughs) the lonely jacket potato (laughs) that's brilliant yes but I just said look I cooked it I really didn't want it but it gone through all the you know (laughs) being baked but you know that that whole reality check of Mm. why am I doing it Mm. and then what you do is start to bury down and say Maybe one way to look at it is not giving of the sourdough or the risotto or the pasta because we know that we're less efficient at metabolizing carbs. But maybe say I have my gorgeous piece of sourdough in my in the morning because that makes me feel, you know, as if that sets me off in a good place. And you just start to bury down as to the needless eating and the eating that you're needless. really enjoying. Because I would say 99.9% of the eating that we do, if we can get rid of the needless, we're left with the lovely eating. Mm-hmm. You can lose it then if you, you it's not Absolutely. something, there's not yeah. a feeling that because our metabolism has slowed down, once we've got a little bit 
wider however that makes you feel it is possible to lose it because lots of things do really properly change don't they i mean the ability to uh drink alcohol is completely different um probably after the age of about 40 isn't it but why is that that's the thing a lot of women found a surprise i think i think we become far more sensitive and aware of what our body is doing because we feel vulnerable and when we feel vulnerable we start to look at things differently I think particularly, and certainly I notice a big difference myself, if I have a glass of wine and I'm shattered or I've been really stressed during the week, it goes zooming through my metabolism and I feel absolutely lousy. Whereas, you know, Mm. 30 years ago, I would have been absolutely fine. So again, if you're wanting to be really clever with alcohol, I would say just try and hydrate before you have a glass of wine. Because, I, you know, I I love alcohol, I love wine, but I'm really careful about when I have it. And I know if I'm very emotional, I just stay clear for a bit. Yeah. Mm. And, and are spirits any better? Or is that, I mean, is it just all out? <laughs> she asks hopefully. You are hunting, yes. <laughs> Generally, the problem with a spirit is that you tend to quaff it really quickly. And you'd have it as a gin and tonic for that first refreshing drink. Gorgeous. But you tend to drink it very quickly and you drink it on an empty stomach. So I'd say yes, yeah. the best thing you can do is try and resist temptation of not drinking on an empty stomach because that's the thing when we're in a perimenopause or menopausal years, it just annihilates you. And with perimenopause, Jane, do you think, um, obviously there's a lot of symptoms, there's 30-odd symptoms that are, are linked to perimenopause because of oestrogen, um, drop in oestrogen levels, et cetera, and all the hormonal changes. How can food help with that? What can we be eating to help with the symptoms, do you think? Well, I think there's a few areas, Trish, that you can start to tackle. I think the, the natural area is to look at foods that are rich in phytoestrogens. So they're the foods that are, they have a slightly estrogenic effect in our body. So that can be all your legumes, so your pulses, your lentils, so it can be a simple dal. Um, it's all your root vegetables, it's your whole grains, it's your nuts, it's your seeds. When you start to integrate more of those foods within your diet, and again, it's really good to have looked at the hard reality, what were you doing beforehand? You can then start to cushion some of the estrogenic effects of the perimenopausal period um, because we're, we're seeing it's the shifts, it's the crashes in the hormonal levels that make a difference to how our body feels. So if we can start to provide a bit of a pillar through looking at the foods that naturally contain the phytoestrogens, that means that you're then not going to get as much of a crash. They can't replace the estrogen levels, but it can support it. So Yes, and, and everyone's different. And in terms of the amount of symptoms that you get in your perimenopause, it can also be influenced by your body fat levels. So oh, what we don't often talk yeah. about is that our ovaries, obviously, are the main driver estrogen within the body. But our fat cells also manufacture some estrogen, which is interestingly why men, when they put their beer belly around their middle, you know, it's not a muffin, it's a right old gatto, you know, that... that, Gatto. Black forest gatto. Black forest gatto gatto of a husband, yes. Yes, exactly. That, if they have lots of fat, that fat starts to produce estrogen. Now, oestrogen and testosterone, to keep very simple terms, generally exist, exist like a, a scale. So when oestrogen levels are high, testosterone generally is lower. Mm-hmm. So when your oestrogen level goes lower, your testosterone levels goes high. So for men, 
when the estrogen level goes higher, their testosterone goes lower. It's a great motivator when I do get a guy coming into my practice who has a right old cat around the middle and going, how's the, how's the sex life? And they go, how did you know? <laughs> As women, we're inevitably the ones who do the shopping, most likely. We're most likely to be doing the cooking. Um, and, you know, we're, we're responsible for the well-being of the rest of our families. You know, it might be your partner that you're living with or your children and, and trying to, if they're not on board with it, how do you make the changes yourself? Teenagers, particularly, that's the, that's the tough time because, mm-hmm. you know, food then becomes a currency. Food mm-hmm. becomes a thing that then, oh, yes, I'm not going to talk to you, mum, about this because you're back off. And then you feel you can't do anything. So it, it's a real, it is a real quagmire. But I'd say the time will come when they'll find a reason to engage with eating healthily. But I'd say that we have so much fear around talking about it with our teenagers that sometimes you can just gently explore things. As mothers of daughters, I think we're very, you feel like you can't say anything because you're going to tip them into some kind of eating disorder or have yeah. a lifelong, you know, dysfunctional relationship with food. And I, I would say disordered eating at the end of the day is not about the food, you know, yeah. and have comfort in that. You know, you having a, a conversation about maybe it would be better to have something that wasn't always a big bowl of pasta in the evening if your teenager is struggling and just feeling a bit, you know, heavier you're not going to trigger them to have an eating disorder by talking about food or by changing the diet. Eating disorders or disordered eating come from a psychological profile, a scenario that then food becomes the currency. So I would just say we tiptoe sometimes, but sometimes it's good to just take it head on. So the gut is, I'm fascinated by the new gut science um, and its effect generally on your metabolism and your mental health and if you want to promote a good microbiome in around this age group what are the kind of key things that we need to have in our diet or key behavior for us the first place to start is your vegetable and fruit intake and i know everyone says oh more vegetables more fruits but if you if you look at the studies the studies in japan and they've shown that if you have 12 portions of vegetables and fruits a day that really nurtures an amazing microbiome oh, that makes me really nervous trish doesn't yes. it <laughs> but, but, i'm quite happy with that i, I like oh, that. Yeah. she's then, the domestic goddess trish is <laughs> but then let's let's break it down you know it could be that lovely persian thing that you do before you sit down and have a meal with your family your teenagers you know put a gorgeous plate of big shout veggies yeah to say you're not having room. any more of this yeah just come all, in the room and so stop that. eating crisps before dinner yes but if you have those you know and it's a perfect time of year those lovely cost lettuce the avocados the cherry tomatoes just have a big plate and olive oil lovely sea salt on top it doesn't have to be your puritanical beetroot juice you know if you're you introducing fantastic no i mean i i I mean, as you can imagine, doing what I do, I get sent many samples. Oh, my wordy, when it's beetroot, as that overriding thing is like, mm. I think I'm the, I'm the odd one out here. I she love loves that. it. I it's love it. I, God, I, I hate love, beetroot. I love, I grow lots of it and I love it roasted. So mm. that's a trick. Well, I, would, I can't eat it. I simply can't take it. I can't smell it or have the taste of it or anything. I think it's probably a latent special beetroot allergy i have (laughs) but i i only say this because so many people love it and they just say it's the thing it's the thing beetroot's the thing but um yeah i'd say you know what you know broccoli was a thing 10 years ago kale was a thing last Mm, year you know it's and there's no such thing as a superfood you know this was a boy this was a marketing (laughs) trick 
that That's makes what us I think, think about a, midlife yeah. women. They just get given stuff saying, this is great for anti-aging. This is great for yes. you. And we're so susceptible to it. And actually, we could just be naturally making better food for ourselves quite easily from the supermarket. Yes. So I have a, a friend who um, who is clearly perimenopausal. He's very kind of depressed. And one of the things I've chatted to her, I said, perhaps it might be better to eat a few terrible cook, eat a few more healthy things. It might make you feel better. You might sleep better. You know, don't just buy a pre-made thing, shove it in the oven, warm it up. Maybe perhaps you could just buy some frozen peas, etc. And she just looks at me and says, I oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm just not one of those women that does that kind of pureeing and all of that. And also she's at a low point. So you must see women who are yeah. just in that very low, low point where asking them to change their diet seems just the least of their, what they're just not going to do it. How do you get people to that more motivated state there's two things you can try I would say that the small steps I always say look we're doing the tortoise and the hare scenario and you're going to be a tortoise you know let's let's look at tiny things and it could be for instance that someone just walks out of my consulting room or off a Skype chat now um, and just says okay we're going to hydrate for the next week just do one thing maybe just have a simple breakfast just change your breakfast from a horrible sugary cereal to maybe some stewed fruit exactly. and a bit of yogurt and, if, and then, you see, you do reverse psychology, because if you say, right, we're only going to change one thing. I don't want you to do anything else different. They go, OK, am I only going to do that? And then once they've done the one thing, they then start to want to do more. And I'd also say that one of the most valuable things to realize is you can literally turn yourself around within 24 hours. Really? Really? That yeah. quickly? Yeah. You are what you eat on a daily basis. Thank you so much, Jane. That was just brilliant. So much fabulous information. Thank you for joining us. Well, it's been great and it's lovely to catch up and at any time. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. We're now actually going to talk about role modeling for our teenagers. And actually, Lorraine, I read a study which said that apparently 60% of teenagers said parents are their number one role model, followed by teachers and then kind of sports coaches, which is quite interesting. And I suppose it's quite quite obvious, I suppose, that we would be big role models in their lives. But sometimes, though, it's quite quite tough, isn't it? You have to kind of be thinking about it all the time. And I feel that sometimes mine want to do the exact opposite to what I'm doing so I'm not quite sure what's going on with my role modeling what about you Lorraine what have you found out about it the main thing I've learned about this is that all behavior is communication Mm -hmm. so young people just watch you 
all of the time. And those that love you the most, that look to you the most because they need you the most because they see you all the time, they are absorbing absolutely everything. It's a terrible pressure, isn't it, Trish, to be behave as best as you can all the time. Yeah. And then I think about the times they've seen us absolutely, well, I would say tipsy to be polite <laughs> on our our amateurish other podcast, ways of uh, describing that in the yeah. garden on my 50th birthday oh, for example yeah. yeah special occasions you know yes, not like then, every every weekend yeah no, which we just be- have to do it when they've gone to bed yeah not before no. breakfast but you do have to be mindful of it <laughs> yeah kind of you do time. I mean it does it requires effort doesn't it and forethought and a kind of a, a level of self-control for us as uh, as parents it's probably easy to think that their friends influence their behaviour more at this age, but actually what their friends are doing is influencing just everyday things like what they music they listen to or what clothes they wear. But as a parent, we're still very much, to your point, mm. sort of influencing and role modelling their, their kind of basic values that they're going to have as they go through life. You know, it's things like how you speak to people, how you speak to a waiter, how you speak to your neighbours, how you speak to your friends, how you speak to your partner. That, yes. That's possibly the yes. one that I think we might uh, struggle with a bit sometimes because obviously well, you'll <laughs> end up having a little bit of a row or occasionally saying something not quite nice to your, your, your other half. That has a massive impact um, on them. That's one of the biggest problems for children when their parents are divided it's not that their parents are separating it's the way they behaved before Mm. they separated that's what's bruised them in their souls really emotionally so if you can be the absolute grown-up in the room around that time then you really should Mm. try and be the grown-up in the room Mm. I know it's hard and I think sometimes we don't take into account that you could perhaps get proper therapy around something like that because it really will affect them for the rest of their lives. So it's, it is properly important mm. and it's a serious note, isn't it? And I think when we do make mistakes, we have to admit it to them and talk to them about it in a, in a sort of yes. age appropriate yeah. language, but sort of maybe talk about, well, actually I could have done that differently. And I was a bit, you know, stressed and I lashed out or whatever. I have got a slightly shameful one. What have you done? <laughs> My son wanted to go and see a film. I wanted to go to the cinema with him and we picked this film and I kind of didn't really think anything of it. It was actually a 16 and he's he was at the time, he was 15. He was like a couple of months away from being um, 16. And to be fair, when I booked the tickets online, it did say you need to prove the age. If you're coming with a child, you need to prove their age. And I thought, oh, I won't bother about that. He looks 16, it's fine. Anyway, they got there and they, they wouldn't let him in. Oh, I said, well, well, you have to let him in. I'm his mother. I'm saying he's 16. So you should be able to trust what I'm saying. And then, you know, my son actually, he's just laughing away beside me because see, I'm just blatantly lying. Mummy lies, mummy lies. <laughs> Being a shocking role model. It's about apologising as well when you do something yeah. wrong, isn't it? And also just slightly relieves the pressure on them to be perfect all the time if you, they can see that you're not either. Um, and, I, you know, when you come home, sometimes I'll come home from work and it'll be a shocking and awful day. And I used to think, oh, I must always be smiley and positive when I get in because I haven't seen them. So I don't want to bring it into the room and, and let them. But actually probably I, sh- I needed to do bring it in the room so that they mm. could feel they could come home from school after a shocking and awful day and bring it in the room. What do you think about celebrity role models? Oh, well, yes. Because yes. obviously it's very different these days than it was for us because of there's so much access to celebrities' lives through their social media. And also yeah. there's a lot more reporting of when they've done something shocking or bad. 
bad, you know, like a sports person <laughs> or a, you know. It's great when it's good and it's bad when it's bad, but they have so much access. And I didn't realise mm. TikTok and Snapchat, everyone is on it. So mm. they see everything and then they see all the good and, and the bad. But I think that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Watching, mm. being curious about other people's lives. And as long as you can point out why that something might not be right and not the right way to deal with something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think they're, they're, they're kind of smart enough to know that when somebody famous is acting in a particularly shocking way they're really smart and they don't like that kind of hypocrisy of of you know I'm really cool on the one hand but actually I'm going to behave like this and completely contradict oh, what they I'm saying on social media and the other they smell it. hypocrisy don't they, they? can a smell hypocrisy of, they yeah. can spot a tricker they can see mm. a fibber they also have really good consciences we don't think they do mm. but they actually do mm. they are really aware teenagers of things being bad and wrong so if we look on the upside of that then we can assume that actually they're taking quite a lot of good things and they're making quite good decisions you know you walk there's so much narrative around how annoying and rubbish they are and difficult and unpredictable but actually this generation gen said they're really great I yeah think they're amazing so we should be living up to our expectations and the way we behave but no one should be cooking them kale tree <laughs> that is not role you've got to get over that you've got to get over that moving on moving on Should I tell you what I've been trying out this week? Yes, go on, Trish. Well, I know you know already, actually. It's juicing. I found our old juicer at the back of a kitchen cupboard. It's a wearing professional one, which I actually bought probably about 20 years ago. And I used to use it all the time. Always had a little shot of healthy juice to start my day. But then, of course, life got far too hectic with kids. So things to think about before you um, start with your juicing are... Well, just, is, to, just tell me about yeah. the point of it is, though, because that's <laughs> my, what I struggle with. What would you okay. be doing? Why would you be juicing? Well, I think you'd be juicing because it helps you to get your five a day, but it only counts as one of your five a day. So you could just drink gallons and gallons and gallons of juice, but it still counts as only one of your five a day because... The wine doesn't count even though it's grapes. No, 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 definitely not. And the reason why it doesn't, it only counts as one, and that's 150 ml glass. You actually don't even need to drink that much of it, is that while it extracts all the kind of vitamins, minerals, and wonderful plant chemicals that, you know, you've got in your fruit and veg, because you don't have the fiber or the the, the kind of pulp it, it leaves that behind you know you need that fiber from the rest of the fruit and veg that you have in your day so really it's a very concentrated morning booster get your day started get your fruit and veg tally going um as straight away in the morning the important thing to remember is always have veggies in there don't just have fruit because oh the fruit. What? drinking vegetables yeah. Yeah, so you have to have veggies in there because if you just have fruit, obviously there's a lot of sugar in fruit. It can cause a bit of a spike in your glucose levels. I'm just going to say straight through me. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say to you. <laughs> Again, that's me. why you sh- you only need to have like a, a small glass of it in the morning. Do you so. feel better from your juicing? Oh God, I love it. And Neil's been doing it with me, and we've both oh, been. Oh, poor fit- Neil. <laughs> no, he's got. He quite likes. Oh. He comes back from his run. Has his juice. He does the juicing and he loves it because it's a technical bit of kit. So shall I tell you what I like? My favourites. Go on. on. My favourites. Brace yourself. Oh, God. Beetroot. Oh, my 
stomach's gone into spasms <laughs> thinking about it. And Beetroot then a little and apple with a squeeze of lemon at the end. Oh my god, oh. it's just delicious. Oh. They're shots, aren't they? Though they're, they're not. Well, they're, you, so you're I'd saying say that's you'd the like same have, It's 150 okay. mil, which is probably like a half tumbler. So you, you, you don't need a lot. There's no point in having a lot, if I, as I said. But just I'd have to hold my nose to drink that. Okay. Do you want to, what I did this morning? Kale, apple, oh. and well, a squeeze of lime. No. And should okay. I just tell you something else annoying about the kale? Straight through you. No, no okay. from my garden. I grew oh. it. <laughs> That would annoy you even more. I refer you back to our previous conversation about opposite friends. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Grew it in my garden. Okay. We've right, got so... fake grass in our garden because the dog, we, oh. that's the limit to our gardening oh. situation. Well, you, you're a bit fakey this week anyway, aren't you? Because you've been doing well, fake tanning. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, um, as you may be able to tell from looking at me, Trish, I do not go a deep golden. <laughs> yeah. That's tanning. what we do have in common. Yes. <laughs> I've had a woman come to my house. It is all oh, allowed now. Right, yeah. Uh, with a massive tent, mm-hmm. which she puts up in the lounge. It's so peculiar from Secret Spa. Mm-hmm. And it's so cheap as well. It's anything between sort of 40 and uh, 50 pounds. Or two of you could have it for 70 pounds. So she comes into your front room. There's lots of um, social distancing ways of doing this now. You take nearly all your clothes off and have to wear a little tiny pair of see-through pants. So you've got to get your head around that. <laughs> and she sprays you all over. <laughs> sprays your face, does it all. Then about half an hour later, you think, oh my God, what have I done? I look ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to enter a bodybuilding competition or something like that, because that's <laughs> the only reason one would be this colour. Um, and then the next day you get up and you shower it off. Mm. And it's really nice. It's, oh. There's no streaks. There's no nothing. So... I would highly recommend it. What, is it it's, so it's Secret Spa, but is it a particular type of tanning product or brand? No, well, they sometimes use uh, the Vita Librata one, Ooh, but they, it's their brand. So, oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. uh, you should really, if you were um, a proper professional at this, exfoliate yourself the day before in the shower. Mm. I, I have tried to do fake tan myself. Have you tried oh, to do fake tan? Oh, just hopeless. Yeah. yeah, patchy. I've given up. I just don't, don't bother. Well, yeah. I've got some fake tan recommendations, actually. There's a brand called Tan Lux, which is really good. Um, and it's sort of water-based, I think. And there's something called Tan Lux Instant Hero, which does look a bit dark, so go a bit lighter. But that's really, really good. And then we at work in the office, in all our drawers, we have um, a little can of This Works Perfect Legs. Oh, I like that. Yes, yes. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, no smell, rub it on and your legs look fantastic. Will it work on my Celtic blue legs? Oh, yes. It works, <laughs> well, it works on my see-through. <laughs> that woman has no blood in her um, legs <laughs> as well. And the Vita Librata Body Blur Leg Bronzer is quite good um, mm. as well. So those are the kind of ones that work if you want to try and do it yourself but I would mm. highly recommend Secret Spa it's a bit of a funny you've got to slightly get over that fact that you're stood naked in front of a complete stranger yes in your um, sitting room um, oh. because they do it in a tent though none of it goes anywhere so when she cleared up and gone it was as if she'd never been um and there we were stood and then the you were brown. Or- bright orange bright and what orange. about the smell just quick quick note on the smell because there's I a little bit of a smell yeah I that would weird say, sort of um, stale biscuit smell yeah and you've got to wear some old nighties when you sleep in it um <laughs> overnight um because it does rub off a little bit um but you did you shower it off the next day and then once you showered it off there's nothing don't smell it at all 
and it Fabulous. lasts for a long time. It's last going to last uh, mm. a week or so. And, and it I'm doesn't like, mean you wait. mustn't wear suntan lotion. No. And you mustn't always no. put SPF 30 to 50 on your face every day anyway. So make yeah. sure you do that. Now for a little trip down memory lane. Trish, what is your nostalgia noodle for me this week? Well, I'm sticking with the food theme for this episode. <laughs> and I don't know why these sprung to mind, but they did. Findus crispy pancakes. <laughs> oh, God. Do you remember they were such a big deal in the 70s? And I mean, we were a household that we never really got sort of ready meals or even frozen food, probably didn't have a freezer. We were very much kind of meat and um, three veg, overcooked veg. Um, and uh, the idea of getting a Findus crispy pancake, oh, it was just sort of like, so oh my God, is it so French exciting. cuisine. Very French, it was sort of filled with minced beef. And I don't think they were pancake-like at all. It was just this sort of crispy... They were like... Um, pasties really weren't they yes, with the bits were. around the edge and then you would bite into one and it would give you third degree burns on both the roof <laughs> your of your mouth. mouth and your tongue at the same oh. time well I just I did a little google on them and I found an advert for them from the, from the 70s <laughs> God, no, you can still buy them but this advert from the 70s or might be sort of early 80s of course featured a useless dad trying to look after oh, children God. <laughs> his mum's gone out for the day Oh, but don't oh, worry. How very dare she. I how know. very fin- dare she fin- go out. Findus crispy pancakes to the rescue. What about you? What about you? I've what gone fragrant been? with my nostalgia noodle Ooh. because um, I do mix in fashion circles, as you know, <laughs> famous fashion circles. And we've been doing quite a bit on Star Magazine this week about gardening because it's back in. Mm. Everyone's doing mm. it after lockdown. So the flower of the moment, guess what it is? Uh, gardenia. No, it's a chrysanthemum. What? I know. What? They are literally from the 70s. They'd be like the cheapest thing you could oh, possibly God, get a chrysanthemum. Yes. So I mean, I could probably grow them without killing them. <laughs> so I thought, oh, that's maybe it's just a fashion thing. But uh, on my local high street, it's a bit posh maybe, they've got loads of them as well. And they're five In pounds the for five. Who oh pays five pounds for five chrysanthemums? Oh anyway, they, it cheered me up because I remember my gran really liking chrysanthemums. Oh. And I know my mum used to say, oh, well, this will cheer us. I would put some, put some chrysanthemums on the table. So oh, bless. That's my noodle this Very week. good. Very good. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you enjoyed it, please do tell your friends and all the midlife women you know about it. And do remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And if you'd like to share your midlife experiences, and we'd love to hear from you, join us on our new Facebook group or contact us via the website Postcards from Midlife or on social media. Goodbye. Goodbye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.